All right, guys, so here we are. It's time for us to jump into the book of Luke and uh, get uh, just an opportunity to uh, consider a little bit the, the story of Jesus, a lot of bit uh, of the story of Jesus over the next several months. So uh, I invite you to find your way in your Bible. Uh, we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, verse 1. <clears throat> so as you're finding your way there, this morning is going to be kind of a, a flyover of the book and, and just give you some of the, the, the foundations for uh, why we're studying this book, for some of the things that you should be looking for in this book, the themes, uh, the structure, just, just give you a little bit of background so that as we uh, study what Luke has to say about who Jesus is, about uh, what we should know about him, uh, it's hopefully we'll, we'll provide you with a little bit of an understanding so that we can uh, just grasp more fully how Jesus has come to, uh, to, to, to make salvation known to us. So uh, there are, as I'm sure you're aware, there are four gospel accounts, uh, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And one of them that was just a, a painstaking process, a painstaking work uh, of Luke. Uh, Luke was a historian, he was a, a theologian, and he was also a doctor. He was a physician. And in all of those different roles being brought together, he gives us just an incredible uh, piece of literature that we're able to look at and to study. Uh, this, uh, the, the Gospel of Luke, this Gospel that we're going to be studying, has been described by many people as uh, one of the greatest pieces of historical writing of all time. Interestingly enough, uh, nobody really knows uh, much about where Luke came from. Uh, we don't know much about Luke's origins. He definitely was not uh, an apostle who had followed Jesus. He was uh, a Gentile that we know from uh, some of the things that Paul wrote in the book of Colossians. And even by his own admission, as we look at the beginning of the book of Luke, uh, we see that he was not an eyewitness to uh, the story that he's recording in this brilliant account. Uh, he was uh, in the process of uh, writing this, as he was writing this, uh, he was gathering information. He was uh, grasping and, and pulling and, and doing his own historical research. So uh, as we ask the question, how is it that, that Luke, this guy who didn't follow Jesus, is qualified to give us an account of uh, who Jesus was, of what Jesus did, <clears throat> we, we see a few important things. Uh, the first thing that we know about Luke is that Luke traveled with the Apostle Paul. He was uh, one of the people who worked with Paul during uh, Paul's missionary journeys, he stayed with Paul during uh, his second imprisonment. And right to the very end of Paul's life, we know that uh, Luke was right there with him. Uh, Paul says, only Luke is with me in 2 Timothy chapter 4, as he's talking about his final days and sharing with uh, Timothy. So what happened to Luke after uh, Paul kind of goes off the scene and, and we see the end of Paul's story, no one really knows. It's kind of a, a mystery. It's a, a secret of history that's been lost over uh, the years. But we do know uh, that uh, the, the Gospel of Luke was probably written by Luke during those final days of Paul, those final few years of Paul's life as he was uh, making contact with uh, the other churches that he had planted and uh, he was coming to the end of his life. Uh, Luke seems to have been written during those years, uh, during the early 60s, uh, shortly before Paul's death. 
Although the apostles, uh, the, I'm sorry, the author's name does not appear in the beginning of the book of Luke, although Luke doesn't identify himself in uh, the book of Luke's, there are several different style and structure things that uh, help us to know that, that this book is most likely written by uh, Luke. <clears throat> we know that uh, based on the first few verses of the book of Luke and the first few verses of the book of Acts, that both of those books were written uh, as probably a kind of a, a package deal. Uh, they were written by the same author. They were written to the same person. Uh, both of them mention Theophilus as the recipient and uh, explain a very similar theme of between the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, how Jesus came to uh, make salvation available to all people. And then in the book of Acts, it talks about how that salvation spread to all men. So uh, while neither Luke nor Acts give us the name of the author, what we do see is an overwhelming amount of evidence uh, that points to Dr. Luke as the author of both the Gospel and the book of Acts. A couple of things that are important for us to uh, note about the author. Uh, the first one is that uh, even in the first few verses of Luke, it mentions that he was not an eyewitness of the events that he's describing. Rather, it talks about how uh, he did his research. He uh, gathered sources and, and, and spoke to people and uh, did everything that he could to, to gather a reliable account so that he could share a reliable story of who Jesus was and the, the true Jesus uh, with his friend Theophilus. The next thing that we know is uh, that he was a, a companion of Paul, that he was someone who had traveled with Paul according to several dis different sections in the book of Acts where uh, the author of Acts talks about Paul and he uses the term we, which tells us that, well, if, if he's talking about Paul and himself as we, we know that he was traveling with Paul, and that kind of helps us narrow down the possibility of, of who this author could be. And finally, uh, it's important for us to note that the history of the church, the, the, the history of what the, the early church believed was there was no question about the fact that Luke was the author. So the early church tradition being absolutely unanimous in their affirmation of Luke as the author uh, just helps give us a little bit of reassurance, even though Luke doesn't sign his name at the beginning of the letter like Paul often does or like some of the other uh, writers in Scripture do. We can know that uh, the doctor, Luke, uh, does uh, he, he does an incredible job of putting this together for us, and he is a uh, reliable and a trustworthy source that we're going to be studying uh, what he has to say about uh, Jesus and uh, the mission of Jesus in his gospel. So as we study together this morning, as we talk a little bit about the book of Luke, uh, we're going to consider Luke's mission in the gospel of Acts, uh, which he outlines in verses 1 through 4. Chapter, chapter 1, starting in verse 1, we'll read through verse 4 together. So read that uh, together with me. It says in verse 1, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of these things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that, excuse me, so that you may know exactly 
know the exact truth about the things that you have been taught. So we're going to see uh, Luke wears a couple of different hats during his writing of this gospel. We see Luke as a historian. We see Luke as a theologian that talks about the things of God. And we also see Luke as a doctor. He was a physician and uh, that reality, that role that he played uh, in his life, it, it plays into the way that the book of Luke uh, is written. So first, Luke as a historian. Luke wanted his readers to understand that his history of Jesus came from the best, the most authentic written and oral sources. Luke did his homework. Luke, uh, his, his work was grounded in solid research, in a uh, solid account that as he traveled around with Paul, as he uh, spoke to people and, and spoke to eyewitness who had, uh, eyewitnesses who had seen Jesus and his ministry with their own eyes, he also uh, gathered the other things that had been spoken of Jesus, the other accounts that had been written of Jesus, and, and, and kind of does an incredible job of compiling all of that information and gives us an incredibly reliable, incredibly detailed, and incredibly accurate story of who Jesus was. Next, he, he meets the basic qualifications of a historian. Through research, as it mentions in verse 3, the opening phrase of verse 3, it, in, it indicates that uh, Luke had investigated everything carefully from the beginning. Luke had spent an incredible amount of time tracking down each and every detail and tracing everything out absolutely thoroughly. It also tells us in verse 3, as we look at those verses, uh, it says that his mission was to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus. So what does he mean by an orderly account? To write an orderly account for Theophilus. Well, what he means there is that he was setting out to write a, a systematic arrangement that, that he intentionally put together and grouped together the stories and the, the, the message of Jesus into uh, different sections that focus on themes that he wanted to emphasize. Things that he thought were important for uh, his readers to know about Jesus. He, he, he puts it together in just an incredible, a masterful way that although the facts were never altered, although the, the, the details of the stories didn't change, the way that he groups them together, the way that he juxtaposes uh, details in the story, he artistically and logically arranges the story of who Jesus was in a way that it will absolutely pierce a reader's heart. It will absolutely drive the message of who Jesus is straight to the core of who we are if we will allow it to and if we will allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. So we see, first, Luke does an incredible job as a historian. The next thing that we see in this account that Luke puts together for us is Luke wearing the hat of a theologian. See, Luke was not only a uh, accomplished historian. He was also uh, a skilled theologian. He knew his stuff about who God was, about uh, the, the, the themes of God, the things that were important for people to understand about God. And although we've already touched on this by noting his careful arrangement of the materials and of the stories, uh, we, we see there that as he arranged those things, uh, it, it really brings to light uh, the, the theology of who God is and of what he's doing in the world. Prominent among the, the theological emphasis in Luke, one of the biggest things that we see 
story after story after story in the way that Luke writes is the idea of love. While Matthew kind of focuses on, the Gospel of Matthew kind of focuses on the idea of royalty and the kingdom of God coming, and Mark focuses on the idea of power, the idea that we see in Luke time and time and time again uh, is the message of love. Love uniquely shines through in saying after saying, in parable after parable, in, in, in the way that Luke communicates the story of who Jesus was and what he did, we see more than anything else, the fact that, that, that love permeates everything about Jesus and his story. Finally, another thing that we see in uh, the, the Gospel of Luke as he uh, kind of focuses on the theology element of uh, the, the Gospel is uh, we see a message of an offer of salvation that has been made for all people. That, that message of salvation being made available uh, is something that is far more prominent in the book of Luke than it is in the other Gospels. The, the word salvation is not even mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of Mark, and it appears only once in the Gospel of John. But Luke actually mentions it and employs it six different times, as, as well as using the term to save more than any other Gospel. So we see Luke as someone who had done his homework and uh, invested the time as a historian. He also does an incredible job and, and, and knows and understands the details and does a great job of passing along to us good theology and what we should believe about God. But we also see Luke as a doctor. Uh, Luke was a medical doctor. Uh, Paul talks about him as the beloved physician in Colossians chapter 4, uh, verse 14. It also tells us from the fact that he was a physician, that he was someone who had devoted his life to caring for other people. That, that tells us, that indicates to us that he was someone who loved people, who was a, a kind person, a, a generous person. He was someone who could submit and lay aside his ego and his desires to be able to serve others. And this gospel that we're going to be studying over the next several months the, the words and the messages and the way that Luke writes, it reflects that so incredibly clearly. This gospel, more than any other, it, it focuses on people. It focuses on the stories of individuals. Luke loved mentioning individuals that had been impacted that we're going to see throughout several of the stories that we look at in the gospel of Luke. We see stories right at the very beginning of, of people like Zechariah and Elizabeth. We see uh, stories later on about people like uh, Mary and Martha and Zacchaeus and Cleopas. And uh, story after story, we, we see uh, while other gospels may look at the big picture and may speak about the crowds and, and may tell generalized stories, Luke really, he, he has a love for people in a unique way. And we see that in the way that he highlights uh, not just the kingdom, but he focuses on how that kingdom comes to interact directly with people. And Luke stresses the importance of how people are personally impacted by the, the life and the message and the saving knowledge of who Jesus was. We also see Luke as someone who, as a compassionate doctor, was someone who was powerfully disposed to caring for the poor and the needy. 
We see that in the way that he communicates stories about Jesus coming to uh, preach the gospel to the poor. He talks about how Jesus came to bless the poor. He talks about uh, people like the poor shepherds in the Christmas story. How Joseph and Mary uh, made an offering of the poor at Jesus' birth. Luke talks about the fact that, that Jesus cared for the poor. He cared for the needy. He cared for those who were less fortunate and uh, something that, that we're going to see story after story as Luke focuses in on these, these stories of impact that uh, have touched the lives of people. We're going to see how Jesus not only came to, 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 to shape the structure of religion and establish his church and establish his kingdom on earth, but we also see how it personally impacts people. And I'm here to tell you that he... he, he he sent Jesus to personally impact you. This, this gospel is going to personally impact us as we study it together, if we'll allow it to. So let's look at a little bit of background information, things that are important for us to, to know or to understand about the, the time when it was written, the audience that it was written to. I think that's always important for us to remember because anytime we open up the Bible, it's important for us to remember that it was not written to Drew Hunsley in Yorba Linda, California in March of 2020. What we're doing as we open up the Bible and as we study it, as we read it together and consider what it has to say for us, is we are, we're, we're not looking at something that was directly written that I can directly apply everything to my life because that's how I see it fit. We have to remember that, that this book was written in a historical setting, in a historical context, and in a place where we have to understand what the original message of it was before we can just take it, <coughs> excuse me, before we can take that message and just apply it straight to our life, we have to understand what it meant to the original people who wrote it and read it. So let's look at a little bit of the background information. Uh, one interesting thing that I found as I was uh, studying that, that many people don't realize is that uh, Luke is actually the, the longest gospel, not necessarily in terms of chapters, but if we look at it in terms of verses, uh, there are actually more verses in the book of Luke than there are in any of the other gospels. We also uh, know and, and realize that if Luke wrote uh, both the gospel of Luke and the story of Acts, uh, Luke is actually the uh, largest contributor in the New Testament. We think about Paul being a huge contributor uh, as an author in the New Testament, but Luke actually wrote uh, the, the most number of verses. Wrote, wrote, Luke wrote over 2,100 verses in the New Testament, while Paul wrote just a little over 2,000. That was an interesting little fact that I found for you guys I wanted to share. Also, as we uh, mentioned earlier, this book was probably written sometime in the early 60s. Uh, we see, if we look at the very end of the book of Acts, uh, the last event in the book of Acts is dated uh, right around A.D. 62. And since Luke appears to be closely related to the book of Acts, uh, it would make sense for those two volumes to have been released uh, very closely to one another and be dated very similarly to one another. So, uh, we know that this book was probably written and distributed uh, sometime in the early 60s. Part of the, the, the problem for us as we try to 
consider who the audience is. We, we know that uh, this book was written and, and Acts as well were written to uh, this man named Theophilus. Uh, but part of the problem of, of what is this addressing or who is this addressed to is we really don't know much about Theophilus. Theophilus, who the gospel was addressed to in the first few verses of the book of Luke, he seems to be a socially prominent figure. He may have been a celebrity or a popular person or an affluent person during that time, but we really don't know much about him. We don't know where he lived. We don't know what his nationality was. We don't know what was going on in his life or in the life of the society around him that Luke may have been addressing during the season when this was written. But one thing that we do see uh, when we consider the book of Luke is we see that it puts Jesus and it puts the nature of God's work through Jesus uh, to deliver humanity at the center stage, at the very center of everything uh, that that is addressed in this gospel. And uh, again, in in the book of Acts, uh, because much of this applies to that as well, uh, it, it puts the the message of salvation. It puts the message of Jesus coming to rescue humanity at the very center of it. Theophilus was probably a believer. Uh, he was most likely a Gentile who, uh, for uh, by, by whatever means he uh, came to know about God and, and know about Jesus, uh, he had become a believer. But he may have been uh, potentially wondering at uh, why in the world was he involved in this Jewish religion, this Jewish religious movement that uh, had faced, honestly, a lot of rejection by the Jewish people. Jesus was a Jew, but but many of the other Jews had not openly welcomed Jesus, as we see in this gospel. So does uh, he, as a Gentile, really belong in this religion? Should he be following Jesus? And can salvation really truly be found in this movement that Jesus started? And I think those are some of the questions that that we can keep at the center of our mind as we uh, try to investigate what Dr. Luke was communicating to Theophilus and to those original readers uh, that this gospel may have been addressed to. We're also going to look at some of the the structures, some of the themes, some of the things that we see really prominently in the gospel of Luke. Uh, We've talked about it already, but Luke's gospel uh, is about God's plan for salvation. Every story, every parable, every bit of it, it it seems to point to who Jesus was and what Jesus was accomplishing as he came to save his people from sin and to give them victory over sin and death and the grave. This series, as we study through the Gospel of Luke, is going to give us uh, an incredible picture. Every single section in Luke's Gospel challenges us in some way to respond to Jesus. We need to act differently because of the way Jesus taught us to live. We need to live differently, live with different focuses, live with different things at the the core of what our life is about. There are a lot of things in this world that that can distract us, that we can focus our attention on, that we can focus our affections on, that we can care deeply about. But many of those things, ultimately, they don't matter in the big picture of eternity. And so this gospel, the gospel of Luke, is going to do just an incredible job of challenging us to respond to Jesus in every little dark corner of our lives. Every little bit of of, of who we are should belong to Jesus. And uh, Luke is going to spare 
no, uh, no expense. He, he's going to turn over every rock and he's going to address every detail and, 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 and reach into every little corner of our life and show us how we should be fully committed, fully surrendered uh, to Jesus because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. The, the author, Luke, he also uh, makes clear to us that the way to God is through Jesus. Uh, we know from, it's actually in John's gospel, but we know that the only way to Jesus, uh, the, the only way to God is through Jesus. That Jesus said he is the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through him. Well, we see that theme uh, at, at great length as we consider the stories that Luke is going to address. We see that theme that Jesus is the one who, who really has provided a way for us to come to God. <clears throat> Luke also outlines Jesus' teachings in an interesting way that the other Gospels don't. Since uh, several of the parables uh, that we know of, of Jesus' teaching are unique to the Gospel of Luke, we see Jesus' concern for discipleship, for uh, loving and caring for your neighbor, especially uh, the poor, especially the rejected of society. Those types of themes really stand out in great detail in uh, the Gospel of Luke. This Gospel is both a theology that tells us what we should know and believe about God, but it's also a history. It tells us the story of a very real person, Jesus, who came and lived an incredibly impactful but a very real life on earth a couple thousand years ago. It is written not only to instruct God's people, but also to encourage us and to challenge us and to push us forward in our relationship with the Lord and in our Christian walk. This combination makes Luke, really, he's a historian He's a theologian, but he's also a pastor. And that is one of the reasons why I love this gospel so much, because Luke is not just uh, someone who uh, spouts information about God. He's not someone who's just telling us a story about Jesus, but he does it all in a way that, that as a pastor would, uh, he's going to address not only who Jesus was, not only what we should believe, but he's going to apply it incredibly practically for us and say, Drew, you need to change. You need to live differently because of this truth. And, and I can share that with all of you listening as well. The book of Luke is going to challenge us. It's going to step on our toes. It's going to push us not only to believe differently, but to act differently. And finally, one of the other themes that we see uh, in the book of Luke is this theme of joy. We see the theme of joy occur regularly in the stories, in the parables, in, in the, the ways that Jesus taught and the things that Luke highlights. We see joy in the story of Zacchaeus being welcomed by Jesus and, and accepted by Jesus. We see joy on earth in the finding of the lost sheep and the lost coin. We see joy in heaven where the gospel talks about lost sinners being found. It talks about how there's great joy in that in heaven. And the gospel ends with joy in the same way that it begins with a baby being born and the joy of heaven coming and reaching into earth and sending Jesus as a baby. So uh, we're going to look at the, the basic outline and just hopefully give you a little bit of a structure to, to be able to expect uh, to, to have an idea of, of what's coming. Uh, we see the book of Luke being broken down into five pretty 
significant portions. So uh, the first section, if we look at it, <coughs> if we look at it and try to outline the book of Luke, is the first section talks about the childhood material of Jesus. Starting in uh, chapter 1, going through uh, Luke 2.52, we see uh, the Gospel of Luke talk about who Jesus was, both coming as a baby and even growing up into some of his, his adolescence as Mary and Joseph and Jesus uh, traveled to Jerusalem. It shows us in that section the presence of divine activity from the start. God was making known to the world that there was something special about Jesus. There was something different about Jesus. And that message didn't start when Jesus was a man. There was something special about him, even from the moment of his birth, even before he was born. We also, uh, if we continue on in the book, uh, we see that uh, the second unit, which starts in chapter 3 and goes through chapter 4, verse 13, talks about Jesus's uh, preparation. There was a, a preparation season for Jesus's ministry where uh, John, uh, John the Baptist, uh, his ministry reveals that repentance was absolutely necessary and kind of goes before Jesus to prepare the way for Jesus and his ministry to come. Repentance is important because it involves turning to God by recognizing that, that our sin, that the way that we had lived before we knew God, before we gave ourselves fully to God, that that way has to die, that that way has to uh, be absolutely gone and separated from us. The path that we used to walk, the, the way that we used to live, where we just looked for ways that we could make ourselves happy, that we just did everything exactly as we wanted to or, or, or tried to meet our own needs, uh, we have to repent and turn from that and abandon that and, and turn our affections and our attention and, and our allegiance to Jesus. The next section that we see is Jesus's ministry in the area of Galilee. In that section, we see uh, from chapter 4, verse 14 through uh, chapter 9, verse 50, it highlights the activity and the, the power of Jesus as it tells us uh, stories of uh, who Jesus was, of how Jesus taught, of how he uh, accomplished miracles in uh, his ministry. All of those things combine to ask the question, who is Jesus? Who is this man who is coming and really turning the world on its head. And the answer to that question, the answer to that whole section's kind of kind of climax is Peter's confession when he says that Jesus is the anointed one, the holy one of God. So this section also explains how Jewish opposition came to uh, stand against Jesus. His claims and his actions that, that pointed to the great authority that he possessed uh, really, they, they offended many of the Jews. The, the, the idea that Jesus would stand before them and claim that he could forgive sin, well, that was something that only God was able to do. And so when Jesus uh, stands in front of the crowds and, and talks about how he is going to forgive sin, that was something that, that we really see in that section, in those chapters. Uh, kind of get the, the Jewish religious leaders riled up that, that leads us to ultimately how uh, the Gospel of Luke and, and all the Gospels end. 
The next section that we look at is uh, the Jerusalem journey section. We see that from chapter 9, verse 51, through chapter 19, verse 44. And this is the major unit in the gospel that talks about discipleship. It talks about how people were called to, to, to abandon everything and to follow Jesus and to give Jesus everything that they had. There are two major concerns that we see in this section that we're going to look at as we get to these chapters. The first one that we see is uh, Jesus needs to train his disciples, the people that were following him, whether it was the 12 disciples or the others that were following and learning from him uh, during his earthly ministry. He trains them for life after he has departed. Jesus knows during the time of his ministry that there's going to come a day where he's not going to be on the earth. He's not going to be walking with these disciples anymore. And there's going to come a day where they have to uh, take the the message of salvation to the ends of the earth that we see at the end of Luke's gospel and at the start of Acts. We also see that uh, Luke explains how opposition to Jesus just continues to grow, that these religious leaders, that these world powers and influences in Jesus's area, they 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 grow to the point where ultimately we we find ourselves at the end of the gospel, resulting in the Jewish leadership's calling for Jesus' death, calling for him to be uh, murdered and crucified uh, in just a, an ugly, ugly scene. And then the final section that we see details Jesus' last days from uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 45 through the end of the book. We see Jesus' last days in, Jer- in Jerusalem. We see him uh, enter into Jerusalem, that he uh, comes into Jerusalem, he uh, faces a trial, he uh, is found guilty even though he's done nothing wrong and is sentenced to death on a cross, that he also uh, is buried, but but the story doesn't end with a dead Jesus. The story ends with uh, a resurrection that, that makes Jesus different than any other uh, historical figure, any other religious leader that uh, has has lived in the history of humankind. People don't just come back to life from the dead, but Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, through through God's work in him, he is resurrected and he defeats the power of sin. He defeats the power of death and the grave. And he comes back out of the grave and proves that we can have hope in him. That, that because of the resurrection, because Jesus proved that even death doesn't have power over him, we can have hope that that, that that offer of salvation that's being made to all people, that, that is the reason why I'm here, is the reason why you're sitting on the other end of this screen and, and considering what Luke has to say to us this morning and, and as we launch into this book, we, we all have to pause and realize that, that the reason why we do that, the reason why we're considering these things is because Jesus came back to life from the dead. If Jesus hasn't been resurrected, all of our faith is useless. And so the, the, the climax, the, the final message and the final goal of Luke's gospel is uh, to point out that Jesus is alive and we will be one day too as we go to live with him uh, in his kingdom. So finally, I want to just wrap up with a, a couple of final things where we talk about what are we going to take away from this book? What can, can we learn, expect to learn practically from the Gospel of Luke? 
Well, Jesus highlights and looks at a few things that are really important for us to to take away from this gospel. The first thing that we see is uh, Jesus calls sinners to repent. Even before Jesus' ministry starts, uh, John the Baptist is calling people to repent and to turn from their sin. But Jesus, throughout the message of Luke, is telling people to turn from their sin and to turn to him as their Savior. He also tells uh, his disciples, his followers, the people who are giving their lives to him, uh, to take up their cross daily and follow him. And the way that they live, we see that in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, but we also, we, we see it through other messages, other ways where Jesus calls his people to be fully committed, to be fully sacrificed, that, that everything that they have should be given for this gospel message, for the, 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 the mission that Luke is calling people to in following Jesus, that Jesus has come and lived out among them. We have to give everything that we have to follow him. And finally, we see uh, Luke highlight the, the fact that Jesus wants people to be witnesses, to take the message of salvation, to, to take it not only to their city, but to their area, to their region, and to the ends of the earth. We see that message at the end of the book of Luke. We see it again at the start of the book of Acts that Luke also wrote, uh, that the, the important, important, important focus Guys, this message isn't just for you. This isn't just a secret that, that we get to hold on to, to quote the, uh, the, the wonderful little kids song that, that my kids love so much. We're not hiding it under a bushel. No, we, we need to take that gospel message and take it to the ends of the earth. And Jesus is calling people to that throughout the message of the gospel of Luke. Luke is a profoundly practical gospel for us. As we read through it, as we look at some of the parables, some of the stories, some of the things that Jesus did to to, to teach the people, uh, it's important for us to realize that it's not just uh, theological information for us to pack our heads with. It also is supposed to be reflected in the way that we interact with other people, in the way that we relate to other people. Just like Luke's focus as a person was on caring for the sick, for the poor, for the needy. He was a doctor. He gave of himself to other people, and and his gospel focuses on people. So in the same way, we as Christians who are being impacted by this book, we have to be impacted in the way that we interact with people. In terms of the the, the worldview, the theology, the things that this book talks about, Luke is going to examine topics such as money and the way that we handle money. He's going to talk about anxiety. That's not relevant for us today right now, is it? And any, anybody out there worrying or, or finds themselves worrying now? Uh, I dare say there's at least one or two of you. One, one or two of us, excuse me. Uh, it's also going to talk about topics like persecution or the way in which races and genders relate to each other. It's going to talk about topics like prayer and praise and joy and uh, topics like this, we, we see them pop up throughout the book. But uh, man, those, those, those topics, those things that we're going to look at, they are so profoundly important for us today, right now, as we are dealing with all of the chaos around us, all of the things, uh, things like uh, figuring out, out how we might uh, live without worrying or, or, or living in anxiety 
uh, how we might be able to uh, live in the midst of persecution, how we need to live in a way that, that the gospel brings people together instead of separating based on gender or race or socioeconomic status or, or whatever other thing that, that our culture or our society may use to, to draw lines and divide people. The gospel brings those people together. And we're going to see that as we study, as we look at this book together. I want to finish with a quote that I found as I was studying that I feel like it, it really just does an incredible job of <clears throat> wrapping up kind of this, this message of what is the Gospel of Luke all about. So uh, this quote is by uh, Daryl Bach. I, I found it in his uh, commentary on the book of Luke. And so let me share this with you guys together. He says, Believers are called to live a life that looks to God because he has poured out his grace on those who have received forgiveness and life in Jesus. Luke tells the story of how Jesus revealed that grace, died to provide it, rose to bestow it, and will return to establish its presence over all the creation. The church must show what such grace looks like in ministry, in relationships, and most of all, in a close walk with God. That new way of knowing God is the light of the gospel and the call of the church. That is what Luke's story is all about. That is why reading and reflecting on this story changes lives and one's view of the definition of a life lived before God. In effect, what Luke is doing in this book, he, he says to Theophilus and he's saying to me and to you, to all of us, he says, be reassured. If you know Jesus, you are exactly where you should be. In an age like ours where people struggle for identity, people struggle for self-worth, uh, what better message could we find to communicate to people to, than to let people know that we know God that we can share in his promises, that, that he has come to give us a life and to give it to us in the fullest. The treasure of Luke's gospel that we're going to look at, that we're going to consider and study together, comes in the nuggets of reassurance that he has left for the church. The, the treasure that we find is the fact that this is not just some lofty idea of who God is, but it is so incredibly practical but it also reaches in and it touches us in the place where, where we need it on a regular basis. That the encouragement, that the, 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 the message of this gospel is that God loves you, that God wants you to have joy and fulfillment and purpose and be saved from the life that you used to live. A life that was uh, focused on fulfilling what you wanted on giving you what you needed, on, on taking care of everything that you thought was important, we are able to lay that aside and to repent from that because salvation has been offered to all of us. That salvation, that anyone who would receive the message of salvation, anyone who would receive this offer that Jesus has made uh, is, is able. God will give us a new life. He will put a new heart within us. He will give us the, the, the life that is mentioned in this gospel. And so as we study this together, I'm excited to dive into it. I am just thrilled that we're going to get to look to the words of Jesus and to the message of Jesus. And it's it's funny and interesting. This week we're going over 
<coughs> we're, we're, we're talking about uh, an overview of the Gospel of Luke. We're actually not going to pick up in verse 5 of chapter 1 for a couple of weeks because uh, if you're maybe not aware of it, hopefully you're aware of it, but uh, next week is Palm Sunday that we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And then the following week is Easter, so we're going to look at what Luke's gospel has to say about Jesus as he came to, 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 to be sacrificed on a cross for us. So it's going to be a couple of weeks before we get into really the, the starting pages of Luke, uh, but we are uh, going to be diving into this book together. Uh, my desire is that we will hear from the Lord together, that this book will be an encouragement for you during these chaotic times that we're living in right now. But more importantly, not just that it will be a, a, a salve to your heart and to your soul, but that it will also be a, a challenge to you. It will also push you not only to, to, to know the right things about the Lord, but to live differently because of them. So uh, hopefully that, that overview was beneficial for you. Uh, we've got another one of the videos from the Bible Project guys who, uh, the, the book of Luke is so long, they actually had to make two videos to uh, outline the whole book. So we're not going to look at both of them, but we're going to look at the first one and uh, just consider they say it a lot more succinctly than I did. But uh, we're going to look at what the Gospel of Luke has to say for us, and then we're going to worship a little bit more. So I'd invite you uh, to watch as we consider this this overview message from the guys from Bible Project. Enjoy. The Gospel According to Luke it's one of the earliest accounts of Jesus' life, and it's actually part one of a unified two-volume work, Luke Acts. If you compare the opening lines of both of these books, it's clear that they come from the same author. And there are internal clues in the book of Acts, as well as an early tradition that identifies the author as Luke, the traveling companion and co-worker of Paul the Apostle, who we know was also a doctor. Luke opens his work with a preface telling us how and why he wrote this book. He acknowledges that there's many other fine accounts of Jesus' life out there, but he wanted to go back to the eyewitness traditions of as many early disciples as he could in order to produce what he calls an orderly account about the things that have been fulfilled among us. Now that word fulfilled shows us why Luke wrote this account. For him, the story of Jesus isn't just ancient history. He wants to show how it's the fulfillment of the long covenant story of God and Israel, and bigger than that, of the story of God and the whole world. The book's design is fairly clear. There's a long introduction that sets up the stories of John the Baptist and Jesus. Then in chapters 3 to 9, Luke presents a robust portrait of Jesus and his mission in his home region of Galilee. After that, the large midsection of the book is Jesus' long journey to Jerusalem, which leads to the story's climax, Jesus' final week in Jerusalem leading up to his death and resurrection, which then leads on into the book of Acts. In this video, we're just going to focus on the first half of Luke's gospel. The extended introduction tells in parallel the birth stories of John the Baptist and Jesus. So you have this elderly priestly couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and then this young unmarried woman, Mary and Joseph. They both receive an unlikely divine promise that they're going to have a son. Both promises are fulfilled then, as John and then Jesus are born, and both parents sing poems of celebration. Now these poetic songs, they're filled with echoes from the Old Testament psalms and prophets, showing how these children will fulfill God's ancient promises. 
But these poems also preview each child's role in the story to follow. So John is the prophetic messenger promised in the Torah and the prophets who's going to prepare Israel to meet their God. And Jesus, he's the messianic king promised to David, who's going to bring God's reign over Israel and God's blessing to the nations, just like he promised to Abraham. After this, Mary brings Jesus to the Jerusalem temple for his dedication, and two elderly prophets, Anna and Simeon, they see Jesus and they recognize who he is. And Simeon sings his own song, a poem inspired by the prophet Isaiah. He says, this child is God's salvation for Israel, and he will become a light to the nations. So with all this anticipation, the story moves forward into the next main section where Luke presents Jesus and his mission. He sets the stage with John's renewal movement at the Jordan River where he's calling a new, repentant, recommitted Israel into existence through baptism. He's preparing for the arrival of God's kingdom. And then Jesus appears as the leader of this new Israel and he's marked out by the spirit and the voice of God from heaven. He is the beloved son of God. After this, Luke follows with the genealogy, and it traces Jesus' origins back to David, then back to Abraham, and then all the way back to Adam from the book of Genesis. Luke's claiming here that Jesus is the messianic king of Israel who will bring God's blessing, but not only to Israel, the family of Abraham. He is here for all the sons of Adam, for all humanity. After this, Luke has strategically placed the story of Jesus going to his hometown, Nazareth, where he launches his public mission. At a synagogue gathering, Jesus stands up and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor and freedom for the prisoners, new sight for the blind, and freedom for the oppressed. Now, along with the other Gospels, Jesus is presented here. He's the Messianic King bringing the good news of God's kingdom. But what Luke uniquely highlights are the social implications of Jesus' mission. So he brings freedom. The Greek word is aphasis. It literally means release, and it refers to the ancient Jewish practice of the year of Jubilee described in Leviticus 25. It's when all Israelite slaves were released, when people's debts were canceled, when land that was sold is returned back to families. It's all a symbolic reenactment of God's liberating justice and mercy. And then Jesus says that this good news of release is specifically for the poor. Now, in the Old Testament, the poor, or in Hebrew, ani, it's a much broader category than just people who don't have very much money. It refers also to people of low social status in their culture, like people with disabilities or women and children and the elderly. It also can include social outsiders, like people of other ethnic groups, or people whose poor life choices have placed them outside acceptable religious circles. And Jesus says that God's kingdom is especially good news for these people. So after this, Luke immediately puts in front of us a large block of stories, showing us what Jesus' good news for the poor looks like. It involves the healing of a bedridden sick woman, or a man who has a skin disease, or someone who's paralyzed. There are stories here also about Jesus welcoming into his community a tax collector, like Levi, who's not financially poor, but he is a social outsider. There's a story about Jesus forgiving a prostitute. Luke showing us how Jesus' kingdom brought restoration and reversal of people's whole life circumstances. He's expanding the circle of people who get invited in to discover the healing power of God's kingdom. 
And as Jesus' mission attracts a large following, he does something even more provocative. He forms these people into a new Israel by appointing over them the 12 disciples as leaders corresponding to the 12 tribes of Israel. And then Jesus teaches his manifesto of an upside-down kingdom, or as Luke calls it, the sermon given on the plain. He says God's love for the outsider and the poor means that his kingdom brings a reversal of all of our value systems. He is here to form a new alternative people of God who are going to respond to Jesus' invitation by practicing radical generosity, by serving the poor. People who are going to lead by serving and live by peacemaking and forgiveness. People who are deeply pious but who reject religious hypocrisy. Now, Jesus' radical kingdom vision, his claim to divine authority, it starts to generate resistance and controversy, especially from Israel's religious leaders. His outreach to questionable people, it's a threat to their religious traditions and their sense of social stability. And so they start accusing Jesus of blaspheming God, of being a drunk and mixing with sinners. And so this section culminates in a new revelation of Jesus' mission to his disciples. He says that Yes, he is the messianic king and that he's going to assert his reign over Israel by dying in Jerusalem, by becoming the suffering servant king of Isaiah 53 who dies for the sins of Israel. And then the shocking idea, it gets explored in the next story as Jesus goes up a mountain with three of his disciples and he's suddenly transformed in them. They're enveloped in this cloud of God's presence who announces, this is my chosen son. And then Moses and Elijah are there, the two other prophets who encountered God's presence and voice on a mountain. And Luke tells us that they're talking together about Jesus' exodus that he was about to fulfill in Jerusalem. Now that Greek word exodus, it's a clear reference to the exodus story. Luke is portraying Jesus here as a new Moses who will lead his newly formed Israel into freedom and release from the tyranny of sin and evil in all of its forms, personal, spiritual, and social. And that's going to lead us into the second half of the book. But for now, that's the first half of the gospel according to Luke.